This broadcast is brought to you by Integrity Staffing Solutions. At Integrity, we're passionate about connecting great talent with great companies across North America. For more information on how our custom, flexible workforce solutions can help solve your biggest challenges, visit us online at integritystaffing.com. We're now listening to HR Liftoff in three, Hi, this is Megan Couch. Welcome to HR Liftoff. I have a very exciting guest today, Sunil Godsey, and we have a very interesting topic, and we haven't covered this, uh, but it's about intuition. And I think folks know what intuition is, just very like, I know what it is. Um, but can you explain a little bit about yourself and your work on this? Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Sunil Godsey. Um, I'm the founder and CEO of Intuitionology. Uh, and I've taken a deep dive into really understanding what intuition really is. And I, and I actually marry the sort of science-based stuff with it. And I'll get into why that was important for me. Um, and I'll also get into why we seem to just treat it like a, uh, a, almost a social a meme. I'm trusting my gut. I'm trusting my intuition. And oftentimes we don't do enough of the work to really understand what it is. And today, those listening are going to get exactly what those tools are so that as they're listening, they're going to be figuring out what their intuition is. And by the end of this, this podcast, they will know exactly how their intuition functions. And so every decision they make is going to be the right one. It's up to your listeners now to take action. So are you born with intuition? You absolutely are born with intuition. Absolutely. So uh, it's intuition. It happens in the subconscious area of your brain. Um, and so when you're born, all, you've got 90 billion neurons firing at over 200 times a second, and it's soaking in all the experiences around you and putting it into the subconscious area of your brain. So if you look at your, your brain, like a, basically like an iceberg, 90% is, is, and this is all backed by research, by the way, 90% uh, is below water, 10% is above water. And so all those experiences are going into the library, this, this uh, called the subconscious. Uh, and so when you make a decision, it picks whatever that you need from your past to tell you that the decision you're about to make is the right one or the wrong one based on what's already happened, what you've already experienced, what you've gone through, what others have experienced that you've noticed. So it's incredibly well-informed. It happens in a split second. And so it is the de facto thing you need to listen to because you've been there, done that. And it's telling you that's exactly what you've had. So when you're making the, a decision that it's saying is the right decision to make, you've already got the raw skills to do it. You shouldn't be doubting yourself or you've been through a bad situation and it's going to say, ah, 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 Sunil, something like this has happened before. And so I'm going to send you, we'll talk about a negative signal as well to say back away from that situation. So that's that was going to be one of my questions is, yeah. is, can your intuition, as it changes, can it be a bad thing? Can it be formed into a negative? It, it, it's, so it has negative signals uh, to it, uh, but it's, it's never wrong. Um, and so for example, one of the, the, the people I've interviewed is about a fellow by the name of Mark Metry and Mark Metry has a humans 2.0 podcast series. And when we started to talk about intuition, one of the things he was saying is that intuition sometimes leads you down the wrong path. And in his case, when he was in high school, he ended up wanting to quote, quote unquote fit in. And so he developed social anxiety so much so that he had to lie and lie and lie. And so he got so far away from who he was that he wanted to take his own life. Mm. And so as he's telling that story, 
I, I went back and said, and I let him finish because whenever people say intuition sends you down the wrong path, I, I'm really listening intently to that story. Um, and so what I said, okay, so Mark, if we were to actually rewind that podcast interview, and obviously my team and I have done this at least a couple of times, um, he says that right after he says intuition um, sometimes has you go through the wrong path uh, or the wrong direction. And then as he's explaining what happened in high school, he goes, I knew I shouldn't have lied, but. So Uh the moment that he actually says that, I told him that that's when his intuition was sneaking in saying, don't, uh, uh, I told you not to lie. It was up to you to lie. And so he ignored these intuitive signals as we'll talk about. And because it was more important for him to fit in fit into other people and give his values away to other people. And they were so far away from who he was that the only recourse he knew at that time, he was so lost was to almost take his life. And then in that podcast, we talk about how intuition was still giving him signals and helped him out of that to now do the work that he does uh, with his podcast and in social anxiety. And he's, he was speaking all over the world on this stuff. He's done some amazing work uh, in that area. So how difficult is it for someone to recognize when they're breaking with their intuition then? It's, it's not very difficult. That's actually very easy um, because Ooh, the, sig- okay. yeah, <laughs> the signals are very, very, uh, very, very uh, important. Um, and so, and I'll kind of give you the context of sort of my journey in really kind of getting the science to this uh, and then really kind of getting to signals. And so when I, uh, so the whole research that I had in intuition, why was it, it was so important for me to understand what intuition was. So, so now we get some context around why it was necessary to get deep was I wrote this book called Fail Fast, Succeed Faster. And the premise of that book was that if you were to learn the lessons of failure and hurdle from business executives and entrepreneurs, then as long as you don't repeat them, you should be, success, you should be able to succeed faster. Uh, and so when I used to go on stages around the world talking about this, the one question I kept getting was, Sunil, okay, just give me one thing. And I said, okay, come on. I didn't come here with a cue card or a PDF sheet. This is a 400-page book, right? I've interviewed close to 300 people, except when I went back to the audio recordings. And when I went to the audio recordings, 80 to 90% of them started using this thing called, uh, I, I ignored my intuition. Uh, I sure trusted my gut. I knew what the right decision was, but I didn't take it. And I was just, I was shocked. And so I said, okay, wow. A lot of these executives who you think are sort of, uh, risk, you know, have some risk and data and experience and spreadsheets. They're all talking about this intangible thing called intuition. And so I remember, okay, so when did intuition kind of hit me? And I remember when I was five years old, um, there were these video games that I wanted to buy, but my dad told me they were too expensive. And so I distinctly remember this voice saying, Sunil, go door to door to raise money. And I, that's exactly what I did. I raised $200. I gave $100 to my dad. And the other $100 I gave to charity because my school was doing that. It was really, really, uh, and I felt good about that. And then I remembered the times that I ignored my intuition. And the first was, uh, for those who can't see, I'm, in, I'm a South Asian male. And there's four career doors as a South Asian male. It's doctor, lawyer, engineer, and failure. And my intuition was saying, go down door number four, which is failure, because my intuition is saying, be the entrepreneur. But my dad in this really thick Indian accent is basically, no, no, you will be an engineer. Right. So, and I picked door number three, he was the engineer, I became the engineer, and I hated it. Uh, And in year two of that career, I got a chance to be a private investor with a Mexican restaurant chain that came up to Canada. Uh, And pretty soon I was making five times more in dividends than I was as a full time engineer. 
And my intuition got so loud that I said, Sunil, come on, you got to leave. And so in year three, I left and I sacrificed my relationship with my dad. But I got into entrepreneurship and five or six ventures later, I earned about 20 million in revenues before I ended up becoming a management consultant. And as a consultant, I got this huge contract to go down to Silicon Valley. The numbers were astounding. But what was strange was that every single time I got the contract back, some of the, some of the things were changing. Some of the terms and conditions kept changing. And again, something was saying, Sunil, I think it's time you back away from this. Uh, and I ignored that. I went down to Silicon Valley. I spent every single penny to go down there. And the company didn't pay me. And I came back with 25 cents in my bank account. And this was a time I was about to be married. My, luckily, my wife was in India. And so she's phoning as I'm driving back to Canada. She's phoning, how are things going? I said, oh, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, yeah, right. Not bad. Excellent. <laughs> right. And, and I, you know, now this, our, our money for our marriage is gone. And I had no clue where I'm going to be sleeping that night as I'm driving back to Calgary, Canada. Um, and so perhaps the most devastating, which really got to me to understand intuition, is when I was going through engineering in university, I had a really good friend of mine reach out to me. She was being stalked at the time. And she says, Sunil, uh, can you please help me? I really need the, some advice. And again, something was telling me, meet with her that afternoon. And I had nothing that was, it was open. But for some dumb reason, I ignored that. And I said, let's meet a, a couple of days later. And that same fellow walked up to her the very next day to a bus shelter and put a bullet in her head. Mm. And now I really had to understand, okay, what is this thing called intuition? Because I really, I need to figure it out why I ignored it, because now I've lost a very good friend. And so what I struggled with at the time was this definition. So if you, if you looked online at that time, intuition was all about uh, voices from God and spirituality and manifestation. And for those who define intuition like that, that's great for them. But it really didn't resonate with me. I went to some online databases that didn't resonate with me. And so I really struggled. And I remember this, in, this international psychic and in my social media circle. And I remember her talking about intuition and signals. And I said, okay, that makes sense to me. So let's go interview her. And I took a film crew to go to get her interview. And she tied intuition to things like energy and quantum physics. And so I remember when I was in, in, in engineering, one of the things I really appreciated about, say, things like steel is that it has a mass-like property and it also has an energetic or wave-like property. So the energy part, I it really resonated with me. Um, but for me, I kind of saw now as she's talking, this, this blend of art and science, um, You know, going back to my engineering sort of logic days. But what she was saying was that the science just wasn't there. And so I was just kind of like, I was just like perplexed. Like, how come if this has happened to me and now I have, you know, 286 business executives I've interviewed and the intuition is something that 80 to 90% of they, they are talking about. You got to have some, there's got to be some science here. And so I'm thinking, okay, who in my circle can give me sort of a scientific explanation? And I had a neurologist, Dr. Michelle Rathbone. Uh, and I asked him, can I come talk to you about intuition? He says, sure. So I take my film crew to his hospital turn on the camera. I have no clue what, what, what he's going to say. I'm thinking this is going to be like a five minute conversation of him hum, humming and hawing. And at least I, I, maybe I'll just put a quarter in the, in the time slot so that I can quickly, you know, save some money and go get a coffee later. Well, that's all you had left. I mean, what would happen? No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
you that's yep. your last 25 cents <laughs> yeah 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 that would have been yeah oh yeah so if i hadn't found a job for sure then you know i'd be i'd be uh i'd, I'd need a box yeah, right <laughs> and maybe play guitar oh no people would pay me to stop i think <laughs> i'd like make lots well. of money <laughs> yes me as well and and so i i just asked him a question so michelle uh, does intuition exist and he says it absolutely does uh the, the there's a lot of neurons in the gut and what happens is it short circuits the brain um, we all have a sixth sense. He uses it for his patients. He uses, uh, and what he says is that more and more neuroscience research is showing that intuition acts uh, much earlier than we're actually consciously aware of it. And so now I've got this art part. <clears throat> I've got the science part. Where is this research that uh, Michelle is talking about? And so I went to an, uh, uh, an academic database uh, and I start typing the word intuition. I'm thinking I may get 10, 12, maybe 15 articles. I hit the enter tens of thousands of articles later, crazy. And so in, when you were talking about, are we born with intuition, which is something I thought about when we were five, when I was five, there's this article that shows that infants as young as two months old have been shown to have intuitive tendencies, or they call it intuitive physics in this paper. And then the reason why I struggled with the definition of intuition is that there's a research paper that showed that the part of the brain that lights up is your amygdala or the limbic system. It's the primitive mm -hmm. part of your brain. There is no capacity for language. And so what happens is we feel intuition. When we feel we have this gut feeling or we have this voice, but these are our own words around it. So for those who do describe it as uh, voices from God, or I had a, an ex-NHL coach say it came from the cosmos, I saw it as art and science. If you look at people in business, uh, and I'll, I'll talk about John Rothschild in a minute here, he sees this as a learning experience. It's what you think it is. And so it's not for me to shove a definition through anybody else's throat. It's what you think it is. It's your language, how you experience it, um, which you're born with. It's a subconscious, your subconscious phenomenon. And so that kind of made sense as to why I couldn't find a definition. And then with, with Dr. Rathbone saying that it happens much earlier than we're actually conscious about it with it, there's a couple of research papers that showed that intuition actually acts on average seven to 10 seconds before we make a decision or take action. So now I know that it just hits in a split second. And when it came to these signals, I really need to figure out, okay, how does this intuition work? Now I've got the art and science. So there's two types of signals that we kind of get used to. And we were talking about a little bit earlier, there's positive and negative signals. Mm -hmm. The positive signal is the ones that tell you, this is the decision, it's the right decision to make. So for me, I feel a flow, I feel the dots connecting. And there was actually a CEO, uh, he's, he has now two multi-million dollar businesses under his belt. He sees this omen pop up as his positive signal. There's no shape or color and it comes up on his right shoulder. So if he's doing a business deal, talking to a partner, a vendor, or, or hiring, if that omen pops up, he just says yes to what he's doing. And as I said, two multi-million dollar businesses later, he's still going quite well with this omen. Um, and then you contrast that to negative intuitive signals. And negative intuitive signals are the ones that tell you that the decision you're about to make is the wrong one. And so for me, I kind of get that gut feeling or, you know, we've all walked into that room where we go, huh, you know, something's off here. Uh, and mm -hmm. that's, again, you're, you're, it's a subtle intuitive signal. These are the subtle ones that we end up ignoring because we haven't done our homework on what these subtle ones are. And so to give you an example, uh, at what happens with the subtle signals is as you ignore them, they get louder and louder. 
until you can't ignore them anymore. And some people I've interviewed have said that they've gotten to car crashes or become homeless or wanted to take their own life as the ultimate negative signal before they actually started to trust their intuition uh, again. So that brings me to this question. Yeah. So because you talk about the amygdala and I think reptilian brain, and I think a lot of folks, and especially the listeners are probably thinking from what they know, that's related or correlated to anxiety or some type of anxiety, you know, or maybe maybe a phobia where it's the hijacking of the amygdala. Exactly. But, you know, is the intuition, is that battling the intuition? Is it changing the intuition? You know, what what does that look like? kind of relationship look like? Yeah. So when it comes to anxiety, what happens with intuition is, is basically it's also the area where it regulates your emotions. So it's basically, if you had talk about head and heart balance of logic and rationality, what intuition does is it balances that because you've got the experience that you've had in the past and you've got some emotional characteristics to it, but it has to be balanced. When you have anxiety, typically it's a heightened emotional response. And when you tip the scales, where you go too emotional, uh, with anxieties and phobias and relationships are like this as well. We tend, we tend to start to squash the intuitive signals that are there that are telling us that we should be backing away, but we seem to be stuck in, in sort of something that's traumatic in the past. So for a lot of the people who have traumas in the past, they have to get some type of therapy. So we were talking earlier about hypnotherapy. Mm-hmm. So that's something I do. Uh, there's, there's a bunch of techniques that are, that other professionals use to try and get people out of that, that, that traumatic experience in the past. Um, and so what happens if you, if you have some trauma in the past, those emotions are trapped there and you're not able to come out of that. And sometimes you do do things like you were talking about smoking or other ways of soothing that, but those are soothing mechanisms. What happens? You don't, you're not treating the underlying problem. Oh, of sure. You know, I'll be open with the listeners. I mean, I have a phobia about bridges, you know, so when yeah. I have to go over a bridge, it's, grip tight 10 and two, I have my mantra and I think, all right, like just gonna do it. And I don't have a, I objectively know that it's fine, you know, but but, nope, something else takes over, you know, and that's it, you know? So I kind of feel if the way you're describing, like intuition might be on my right shoulder, but this, you know, fear is on my left shoulder. So which is driving, you know, further, clearly it's the anxious part, you know, that just- Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and what, and so what, so what hypnotherapy is designed to do is to go back to where did that phobia originate? And so it could be something that you had, you saw something, or you heard a story, whatever the case was at that moment in time, you got an emotional spike and that spike stayed in the subconscious, your brain, like an imprint, and you'd never been able to get over that. Um, and again, that takes work, right. And, and yep. time. Um, and so, and so that's exactly what happens with, with anxiety. And so when you have your negative intuitive signals, uh, they're actually there, they're telling you and they're getting louder and louder. But in some cases, you, you, in every case, you're tamping it down until they get so loud. And it all depends upon for everybody. Uh, what's that specific situation? At what signal do you actually take a turn? How bad does it have to get? Um, you know, those are all individual uh, questions and also incident. What what's the incident, right? So in some cases, you might be able to listen to your negative signal much better than other situations like relationships are a big one, uh, right? So if we if we meet a friend that we don't like, for example, we, our intuitive signals say, yeah, back away, we may be okay. But let's say if we're if we have a close relationship with a real close friend or somebody that you're intimate with, and your intuition is finally given that him or her, you know, second chances because it's all he does. But the third or fourth or fifth chance, 
is there, but you self-talk yourself out. So in one situation, you're one person that you're able to dash, okay. But when, you, when you're more emotionally tied with somebody else, uh, you, sent, you tend to give up your values for that other person. And so you start living through his or her values and not your own. Um, oh, Cindy, this is a totally separate podcast. We could, I could do four hours on this one. You're right. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and Relationships, a, you're right. It's huge. It's huge. And in, in some cases, I've had some people actually hear the words, get out. Uh, and this is Marnie Kay. And, and in Marnie Kay's case, by the time she heard that, she had gone through headaches. She had gone through anxiety, um, skin rashes. And she finally hears the word get out. But at that time, she was $80,000 in debt. Uh, and from coming from money and, and it was it. And it was like, something had to break. Thank God. Thank goodness. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. she got, she got out of it, but she had to do a lot of work on herself and she had to get that whole new appreciation that man intuition really is my friend. Um, and so now she really, she's back and on, on top of life after going through that incident, uh, trusting so intuition. Do you think, cause, and, and I want to talk about manifestation too, but yeah. Um, I will speak personally, and you tell me as the expert, you know, where you may hear this intuition, but you're around other people and think like, I can't explain this decision rationally. Yeah. So it's almost, that's when I tamp it down something where it's like, okay, but you know, it's not the best move, you know, where you're like, I shouldn't probably decide to, let's just say, pick up this project or, you know, move here, do something, you know, and you're like, and your gut tells you something, but then you over-rationalize, I guess, to, to make it seem more socially acceptable. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's fear. I mean, there's a lot of fear, the fear of change, fear of known. Okay, fair. Let's call it what it is. Yeah. It's fear. (laughs) Yeah. You're just fearful of making that decision and you're fearful of you making that decision. And, and you're asking these questions, uh, what are they going to say? Can I really do this? Uh, You know, is this really kind of like, there's all these questions that surround it. And what happens is when you're also looking to societal norms or other people's opinions that don't really matter. um, Again, you're putting, you're putting the ball in their court. You're living by their opinions, uh, opinions of the past. Somebody said something or somebody groomed you, they groomed me for engineering. Right. Um, I mean, there's all these instances where we're all living in the past where we should be making a decision based on intuitive signals for us, for today, for now. And a lot of people think it's hard, uh, but, but, and I'll give you a case study because this is the best way to, to, to show how, how frightening it is. Jeez, and so one, yeah. one of the guys I interviewed was a fellow by the name of Bin Jang. He, was, uh, he, he is a, uh, an international uh, magician uh, and he's now moved into communication. Uh, and when I interviewed him uh, in 2016, his, his career was on the peak. He was, seeing, he was speaking to about 100,000 people around the world, 80 stages, uh, and everything looked back on the outside. And his intuition was saying, buddy, listen, you are crappy. on the, You're so empty inside. You're doing everything for everyone else but yourself. So he goes to New Zealand uh, and tells his wife, I got to do this for myself. Uh, he puts up these values uh, up on the wall. And he said, they were haunting me. They're, they're staring back at me. And he said, he looked at these values. He said, this is what my wife wants. This is what my kids want. This is what society wants. This is what my manager wants. This is what money wants. These are what my friends want. Where am I? Where am I? Mm-hmm. And so he rips Powerful. all those down, mm-hmm. puts up the right values. And he was thinking, he was thinking that this would be cathartic. This would be freeing. But he says, this was frightening to finally give me permission to do stuff I want 
after never giving him per himself permission ever was really frightening. And this is where, when we talk about manifestation, manifestation, if you believe it, is you believe things will happen, but it won't happen automatically. You don't wave a magic wand and it happens. You have to take action. Like you actually have to take the steps, listening to your intuition to make that happen. Yes, things can happen. And I've got story upon story of people writing down numbers of where they want their business to be. And it comes within a dollar of that a year or two later, or somebody meets that person after they put, you know, six things on a piece of paper and they meet that exact match later. Uh, you know, these things happen, but it doesn't happen without action. And in, in Vin's case, after he goes to that exercise, he falls right back to the same way of doing things. He, he's, he's back with the high-rise apartment in LA, big brands, hanging around the same folk. And six months later, his parents come up and his mother says, he says, there's this, this thing in Vietnamese is saying that when you're hanging around squid, you're going to get some ink on you at some point. And his mother says, you're hanging around way too much squid, buddy. This is not my boy. And so he basically says, you're right. And he trusts his intuition. Again, his intuition is saying, reset. Uh, and he does the same exercise six months later. And he finally starts making a decision to move out in the suburbs, maybe even kibosh his career because it wasn't really serving him. It was serving everybody else. And so he's about, he's prepared now to make that decision. And one of the things I talk about when you make bad decisions is something called opportunity cost. And what I was telling Vin in my podcast interview with him is that it's not just the six months that you lost, uh, you know, making the wrong decisions. It's also the six, it's also the six months that you could have gained making the right decision. So you actually, my friend, have lost a full year of your life. And if you're in the business of helping 100,000 people a year, how many people did you leave behind? How many people did you not help? And he says, I've never thought about it that way, never. So I think like every case study and everything you're saying, like it's very compelling. Yeah. If I, and as I listen, and I think as others listen, it's, well, okay, they kind of want to walk away and make instant intuition. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. like how do I do this right now? Which I know the answer is not, instant per se like but if people are maybe it is maybe yeah. but like if, if people are going to walk away with okay like I, I this is a better explanation that I understood it's not yeah. just a perception of minimal times of trusting your gut you know like how do people actually further develop their listening to signals or capacity to manifest yeah and and that's actually much easier than you think uh, and and so what you do is it's you take a piece of paper and on one column and everything has to do with history uh, everything with the, the past. And so there's, we've got the two different types of signals, negative and positive. And what you need to do is to write uh, what, what, the, what decisions did you make in the past that helped you, that were positive decisions. And of those decisions, what did it feel like in the moment? And, and you need to sit and, and think about that, right? And write as many feelings as you can because your positive signals are going to be a whole inventory of them. And remember, they're unique to you. Uh, and negative signals are going to be the same thing with if you look at the bad decisions that you made. But what with the bad decisions, you have to be a little bit more careful is that you have to make sure that that's not bad decision number three, uh, right? So mm -hmm. for example, let's say Megan and you, you and I, we have a gut feeling, which is our negative signal. And so mm -hmm. let's say you've done your homework and uh, you, you've identified that that gut feeling is signal number one for you. So that means that one of the, the first signals. So that means that when you get that gut feeling, you know your intuition is saying this next decision you're about to make is a bad one. And so 
if you're listening to your intuition, you'll back away from that decision. Um, if I make the mistake of having a conversation with you over a coffee and we talk about this gut feeling and you say, hey, Sunil, I, I, you know, let's say we get into a weird conversation about intuition and say, uh, you know, Sunil, I noticed that my gut feeling is, uh, is signal number one. If I go home thinking, yeah, I get that gut feeling and I make the mistake of assuming that that's signal number one, but it's actually signal number three, I haven't done the work in figuring out what's signal number one and what's signal number two. If I don't identify what signal number one and signal number two is, then the next time that that gut feeling comes in, it's telling me I've made two bad decisions because I've ignored signal one and I've ignored signal two. If I've ignored those two decisions, I've made it two bad decisions. Then those two bad decisions could be me just stubbing my toe or I could be headed towards bankruptcy. I don't know. I don't know. Because a signal doesn't tell you what the severity of the bad decision is, it's going to get louder because it's saying you're ignoring me. So it's not, it's not getting louder because of the severity. I mean, I, obviously the decision is going to get more severe. I mean, it's, it's, it makes common sense that, that that's going to happen. But every single time I go through somebody that has had a bad incident and we track it back to the original signal and the original signal is a whisper something's off about somebody something's off about an event something's off about a situation but they continue to walk into that situation and people get assaulted people get become homeless people start taking their own lives people get shot um, all because they've ignored that initial signal saying don't go into that situation and so it's there I, and this brings me to, because, and we've had some conversations, you have kids, I yeah. have kids, so it's, yeah. uh, and I, after we last spoke, I thought, well, I should talk to my son, you know, yeah. 14 years old, and I'm like, and you know, 14-year-olds really aren't into listening to their parents anyway <laughs> at yeah. the moment, so when I grabbed him in between, like, meals, it was very much like, so do you know what intuition is? Like, are you, do you know how to listen to it? Which, of course, I got like a, what? Sure. <laughs> fine i'm like i asked you a question uh, so yeah. uh do you have any advice you know or learnings for and especially since you have your own kids yeah uh, you know of how to tell them to develop or listen to it or approach you know because that i think starting earlier rather than later you know yeah. could really help them as a complete life skill yeah. And so, and so the way that I look at intuition is it's, it's a lot more complex than we think. Like, so they've, they, we've got the, the positive and negative signals. They're unique. The other thing is that there, there are four types of intuition that actually work in, 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 in together. And I think this is important to ground it in, in complex and how well those signals are informed. Uh, so that when you talk to kids about just the signals, you're talking about a lot more to them than just the signals, although they may understand the signals. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's actually four types of intuition that also work together in a split second to help you make the right decision. And the best way I can characterize these four types is to take you from actually a non-believer that I met. And so one of the okay, fellows- Because I'm yeah. sure there's plenty of people listening that are like, okay, I, yeah. I listen to my gut, but they the, don't really. They don't. Yeah. And this, this guy was a complete non-believer. He didn't even think that intuition existed because the time that I interviewed him, he was one of my first interviewees for my Intuitionology project. And if you re recall, I was saying that things online were like voices from God mm -hmm. and all that. This guy was a, an investment banker 
where spreadsheets and data and learning experience, that's everything that makes decisions in that's life. King. Yes. And so he's saying, yeah, what he, he says, Sunil, I have no clue what we're going to talk about. Like you can come down, I'll give you an hour. Um, and and I'll, we'll talk about this, this, okay, this thing called intuition, which I don't believe exists for five minutes. And we'll catch up for the rest of the time because I haven't seen you in a while. So I, I turn on the camera and I start to try and convince him that, um, there's that CEO that sees omens and he's run now a couple of multi-million dollar businesses. And so this, this case, is John Rothschild. So John says, yeah, this is, I've got, this is all on camera. Um, I, I really want, I, I, you know, I'd like to shake this guy's hand, but uh, if he sees omens or people that kind of see that, but you know, you know, you know, look life and, and things in business are all about data experience learning. And so now I'm going to get into the four types of intuition. One of the four types is called experiential intuition. And we were talking earlier about the subconscious area of your brain. When you start living life in your personal, professional, or in your in business, all those experiences, both good and bad, all the learning you have, both formal and informal, all the ups and downs, and the experience of others every single day, are being put into the subconscious area like a library. So the moment that a signal comes, it's incredibly well informed with data, experience, learning, knowledge, well informed. And again, seven to 10 seconds before you actually make a decision. And so I was telling John, in some cases, intuition has you go against the data. And he goes, well, that's kind of funny, Sunil. I have an example of that. And so I said, okay, well, please tell. And so, John at the time was in the, in the uh, business of putting franchise locations in like a McDonald's, Wendy's, mm -hmm. all that stuff. And his, what he would do is put a benchmarking system. And so a franchise location on a scale of 10, a nine out of 10 means that they would put one in. They look at demographics, traffic patterns, development in the area as examples. There's this dilapidated area of Toronto where his team looked at it and say, it said it was a five and a half out of 10. Now we're going to get into the second of four called situational intuition. John and his partner walked to this dilapidated area of Toronto, even though it's a five and a half out of 10. And he says something, and he's actually saying, perhaps my intuition, something is telling me that we should put a location here. And he went against the advice of his team. And that ended up being the first uh, of many franchise locations called the beer market, which was the most profitable under all of the franchise uh, brands that he owned. Uh, and so that now he's getting it. Now and he's so seeing it. Mm -hmm. he's seeing it. And at some point, his purpose changes. He, he wants to go instead of being an investment banker, he now wants to run a business and from ground zero. And now we're going to get into the third of the four called relational intuition. What relational intuition does is it filters the people through and those that you put on the inner circle are the ones that truly are care about your purpose, what you want, your success, moving your life forward. Not necessarily yes people, but they will there be there for your ups and downs. They will give you constructive criticism uh, and everybody else you kind of leave on the outside. Doesn't mean you're, you're cutting them out of your life. It just means that you're, you, you can have a good fun talk, but yeah, you know that they're, in, mm -hmm. but, but their intentions are not aligned with yours. And, and you know that they can't help you move your life or they've got a different They've got a different way of seeing things that don't align with your values. And so in John's case, all those people concerned with money, ego, fame, security, high-end restaurants, private jets, limousines, 
all of those people said, John, you're nuts. Not one of them bothered to ask him why he wanted to change, except his wife. And when his wife asked him why, he looks her straight in the eyes. And I'm quoting him now. This just feels right. There's the intuitive signal. 50, 45 minutes ago, this guy was saying intuition did not exist. And now he's talking about an intuitive signal. And his fourth of the four is called creative intuition. Creative intuition is the ultimate decision maker. And so for, and so if you're making things like you're making a sandwich or you're turning left uh, at, a, at, a, at a street light, your creative intuition is pretty low. That's pretty mundane. But if your creative intuition is high, you do something that is so obtuse in nature that people say you're nuts. Like what's, what's going on? Uh, I see. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And, so, and so in his case, he would pick a business that has healthy cash flows, you know, strong revenue stream and a really good balance sheet. Not his intuition. His intuition picks a tiny bankrupt little restaurant. And so he quits his three to $4 million a year job, walks into that tiny bankrupt little restaurant. That restaurant happened to be Eastside Mario's location number one. And he grew that over the next 20 years to $2 billion under different brand names, all because it felt right. Felt right. And he's now using the word fully, using the word intuition guiding him. And he actually says, at some point, you may not have all the data, but you got to stop. You got to use your intuition and you got to make that decision. And now from someone an hour ago saying, I don't know what we're the hell we're going to talk about to now him fully using intuition that basically was the key reason for his success before he retired. Uh, he gets it. It's his experience, his signals, his subconscious phenomenon. It's everything to do with him. I'm just shining a light. So if we circle back to the kids. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of HR Liftoff. Did you know that crocodiles can't stick out their tongue? At least they can't taunt you before they eat you. Now back to the show. The kids, for the way I experience is I have the, at least the, the satisfaction that this is not something that's just out of thin air. There's actual real science. It's real grounded. And it's based on what my kids experience. So when I explain it to my daughters, who are 9 and 14, I couch it in their experience. When have you ever wanted to, what, what something was telling you to say something? Uh, and do something. And and I know we shared a story and I'll share it with your listeners with my nine-year-old with Santa Claus. Uh, and so this is where she was coming up to see Santa Claus in the mall. And, and thankfully she's nine. She still believes in Santa Claus. Um, but uh, she, and, and she says, yeah, dad, you know, I, there was a time where I felt like saying something and she was saying she was, she was sat on Santa Claus's lap and he started talking to her and she, she, she pinches her nose and she goes, dad, his breath was stinking. <laughs> and, and then she goes, I, my intuition, you know, she's pointing to her temple. My intuition was telling me that I should ask him to eat a candy cane. I said, Santa, why don't you eat a candy cane with me? And so he took a candy cane and he ate it. And then he started asking her questions again. And she goes, his breath smelled much better using sort of this windmill expression. <laughs> and then she goes, always trust your intuition. So she gets it from that perspective. Uh, with my other daughter, who's 14, uh, and for those who can't see, you've got some pictures behind. She's she's an artist, and she was four. And and uh, Megan, I told her that that uh, you were really interested in what she was doing with her heartification project. 
but she was in yes, India. And I'm going to put that, by the way, in the podcast notes. I'm going to put the link because I think it's absolutely fantastic. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Yes. Thank, thank you very much. And, and and so with her Heartification Project in December 2018, uh, we were in India. And she's used to me talking about intuition quite a bit and asking questions about it. But she's a little bit more mature that she kind of gets some of the stuff, you know, mostly. Uh, and she we went to India and she saw these uh, art uh, done, uh, these paintings. She goes, these are beautiful. And then she realized that they were, these were made by people who had no arms. And she goes, oh, my God, Dad, like, these are beautiful. And look at these people who are disabled and look how they're being treated. And they're, they're asking for money. And we need to help these kind of people. And, uh, like, they got a voice. They're just normal. They just want to express themselves through art. All this is going through her head. And I said, okay, but it's got to come from you. What do you, what do you, what do you mean you want to help them? Figure it out. And I leave that with her. Uh, and we we don't talk for about six months about this this heartification. Well, we, it wasn't called heartification. It was just an idea, uh, and it was her purpose. Her purpose was born as to what she wanted to do. Six months later, we're, we're sitting down playing board games, and she whips her head around and says, "Dad, I'm ready." And of course, I had no clue what she was talking about because we're playing <laughs> board games. And I said, "Ready for what? Like you have to go to the bathroom, or what are you making lunch? Yeah. Lunch? Like what? What are you ready for?" And she goes, "No, I, I, I know what I want to do. What? Remember that that time that we we uh, we were in India?" And I had, "Yeah, yeah, that's right. I know what I want to do." And I said, "Okay, what is it? I want to open up a business. I want to paint. I'm going to sell my paintings. I'm going to raise some money. Uh, I'm going to sell, bring people together at a, an event." And then they're going to come and paint for free and I'm going to pay for it. And I said, okay, are you sure? And he goes, yeah. And so the very next day we opened up an official Canadian nonprofit business, a federal company. Um, that was in June of 2019, September of 2019. We had a fundraiser. Uh, her target was $2,500. She raised over 5,000. Her, all her originals were sold within the first hour. We even had someone from Scotland, on FaceTime, looking to buy her originals. Oh, that's beautiful. Uh, and that September, she had invited big brothers, big sisters, a uh, couple of people with Down syndrome, a uh, couple of people wheelchair to come. But the purpose was solidified. And, and life is about be, having a purpose. Uh, and we, we and sometimes we need to be get back to being a kid again, because we're so worried about what society wants, what people want, and we're so driven. But for Avni, my daughter, there's this fellow who had uh, uh, Parkinson's disease and he was sitting in this chair and he calls her over says, Avni, come here. And so it, for people not seeing his left ear, uh, arm was shaking violently because he couldn't control it. He had Parkinson's. Mm -hmm. He says, let me show you what this event is doing for me. He takes his paintbrush, dips it in paint and then puts it on the canvas and his left arm stops shaking. Mm. And he says, this is what your event is doing for me. Thank you so much. That purpose was exactly what she was meant to do. And you can talk about the business stuff if you want around that. This is really important for people in business. She's raised over $30,000 so far. She's in growth mode. She has a digital marketing strategy. She has her podcast series of her own. She has to think of marketing decisions, sales decisions, cash flow, bank, banking, uh, accounting, uh, she has all that, but she's driven by a singular purpose to help somebody who can't help themselves feel normal. And so, and then who do you think you attract in your life when you live like that? 
you attract the same type of people, mm -hmm. relational intuition we were talking earlier. Those people who are aligned with your purpose, your values, what you want to do in life will be the ones that will support you. And you will naturally self-select. People self-select select themselves out of that or you will kick them off your train at some point. Be, be respectful. Again, you're not saying you're being an idiot. Um, but those aren't going to penetrate your inner circle because they don't move your life ahead. And way too many of us are worried about what other people think, what's the trauma in the past. And so when, I, and so when we truly live today on our, with our signals, it is frightening. And it shouldn't be because we're giving permission to make our own decisions, no matter what anybody thinks. And so I do that on a daily basis. I tell my girls to do that on a daily basis. And I was actually really shocked when Avni is now starting to be interviewed on podcasts herself. Uh, and uh, I, and you know, I don't, we don't talk all the time about it, but I, sometimes I wonder, is she listening to what I'm saying? And as a parent, you know, I don't know how much gets through, <laughs> but she was on a podcast and somebody asked her why she was doing what she was doing. And so she started telling the story uh, and uh, you, you know, she says that, and it doesn't matter what other people say, because one of the things my dad always says is don't worry about the naysayers. And I'm like, oh my God. Did you cry? I would literally, if my son said that. <laughs> like, I, I was like, 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 my jaw yeah. just dropped. Like, yes. <laughs> I, I just, I, I talked to her about this stuff, but now it's come in. And we have the seven day challenge that I have on, on the intuitionology.com website. Yes. And Here, and I want to tell folks, because I, I think at this point, folks are thinking like, okay, where do I learn more? Yeah, How, exactly. Yeah, yeah, like, exactly. So perfect, please. Yeah. And, and I, I actually had both my girls go through them as a test initially to see what their problem is. So this, what the seven day challenge does, it's free, by the way, and you get a free e-copy of the book gut. And I give you a fillable PDF that you can re repeat this for any problem that you have. But what you do in the seven day challenge, you start with a problem that you, you, can't solve. And, and then I'll get into the steps of it. And I had both my girls go through it and both of them introduced a bullying incident as their problem. Mm. And I was, I was like this, the stuff that they were putting on how they solved that using their intuition was that they actually got out of the bullying incident before they got bullied. So they were able to recognize the values or behaviors that didn't resonate with our values as a family, their values as an individual. So they're doing this by themselves as kids. And so now I'm thinking, wow, the stuff that I've been talking about actually has so sunk in. They may not talk about it, but remember, we're talking about the amygdala. We're talking about the limbic system. We're talking about what they feel and the decisions they make around what they feel. And now they're putting it on paper and I'm just saying it's gotten through. Right. And so, and so it, let's take a look at the seven day challenge and what it does. So you first, and this is, it's a very specific process here. You first start with a, with a problem that you haven't, you haven't solved. Uh, and, and the, there's a reason to, to doing this. And so you list it down and then you put the steps that didn't work in the past when you tried to solve this. And this is key because when you write those steps down, what did it feel like? when you're doing those things, because those are your negative signals. Once you have your basket of negative signals, because you weren't able to solve that problem, you go to a place called an intuitive medium, where you get, you think clearly, you cut out the noise. So for example, I go into a shower, uh, before I go to bed, I drive long distances. Some people go for walks, they walk the dog, whatever it is, but you basically cut out the noise and you can just think clearly. There's no social media. You're just thinking about, okay, how can I solve this problem? And then you start to list the steps 
that are going to solve this problem. And you're looking for those positive signals, those senses of flow that, yeah, you got this, uh, the doors are opening up, whatever it is for you, but it's very, it moves you forward. And then you've got your positive intuitive signals. And the thing is, if you try and force a step in there, that isn't one that you should be putting in there. Now that you've done the work on the negative signals, it's going to come up and go, ah, 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 Sunil, this is not something you need to put in there take it out. And so what happens is what you're left with are the steps that you need to solve that problem based on your positive signals and your negative signals, making sure you don't put the wrong ones in. And so the next steps after you've got your, your plan is again, relational intuition, who in your circle is going to help you solve that problem. Uh, so it could be a mentor. It could be a best friend. It could be somebody else. But if you, again, emotionally bring in your best friend because you're thinking, this is sexy, I'm doing a seven-day challenge, I want my friend to know, you know, the intention is egotistical in nature, your negative signal is going to say, come in and say, ah, 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 Sunil, come on now, you know that you shouldn't be involving your best friend because your best friend, no disrespect to him or her, can't solve this problem for you. And so, again, you've got your signals triggering you to only select those people that are going to help you with this problem. Doesn't mean that your best friend can't solve you and other problems. We're just talking about this problem specifically. Uh, and then is there an environment that you need to change yourself into to solve that problem? And then the, 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 the final thing is take action. And what I do is I actually measure the strength of your intuition on a percentage basis in day one and day seven. And 100% of the time, I've had close to 55,000 people now through this seven-day challenge. 100% of the time, their intuition has increased in strength by day seven. And on top of that, I've got two people who uh, have gone through this uh, with, uh, with you. They go through every single day. One is a fellow by the name of John Harris, and, he, and they all go through each task. So he actually sold his house in these seven days. On day one, he, had, um, he basically had a house that he was going to sell, and some realtor comes in and throws, flings her card uh, and says, oh, you're only going to get $20,000 on an asking price. That's the market. I know it. I've been in the game for 25 years. And before he was a pushover and he used to say, yeah, let's, uh, this is stressful. Let's sign it. Uh, but his intuition was perking up saying, I don't trust her. And so what ends up happening is seven days later, uh, through all the tasks that you go through and he goes through similar tasks and he talks about the exact decision he does in that task with you. Um, he, uh, day seven, he actually gets a bidding war and he ends up settling on $50,000 over asking price. It's a $70,000 decision. Uh, and and that's not bad. And the second person we were talking earlier about Ashley Michelle. Mm, yeah. Ashley Michelle was a witness to a homicide. Uh, and um, and I, I don't know if I recounted the story while it was typing, but uh, I'll go through it again here. Uh, so this is where she was not only a witness to a, a homicide, she actually walked into the apartment after her boyfriend had killed uh, murdered their friend in the bathtub. Uh, he locks the door behind her uh, and then puts a knife to her back and says, I'm already going away for one murder. Why does, might as well make it two. And so her intuition calms him down uh, and watches him. She calms down. Had she not, she would be dead. It's there's no, it, 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 she knew she was, she was, she was dead. So he assaults her, chokes her, breaks a couple of blood vessels in her neck asks her to clean up the blood and then her intuition is waiting and waiting and finally it gets a moment run now and she bolts and she gets unlocks the doors runs 18 flights of stairs down and calls 911 and is able to live obviously to tell the story 
And she used the seven day challenge to minimize the PTSD, depression, anxiety, didn't get rid of it. She still needs to go to therapy and things like that. But what she learned in that seven day challenge is that we talked about that intuitive medium. Where do you go to just feel free to just stop the noise and, and just think clearly and enjoy life. And so she said, she recognized that it was going back to the gym that that would, that's what was for her. She also learned how to trust people again, and she was able to now start jogging again. So doing the things that she loved outdoors uh, and the seven day challenge taught her how to use her intuition to really kind of minimize the stuff that she was going through. So she is an absolute fan of what, what I'm doing because it's, it's helped her in so many ways that you, she can't even describe. And so the way I say is if, if somebody like Ashley and John can go through the seven day challenge to solve those types of problems, you have, uh, I'm sure I can bet money that, that you have a hundred percent success rate in finding a, a solution to a problem that you've been struggling with. And it's completely free. You get a free copy of my ebook and you have now a fillable PDF template, which you can continue to use for every single problem ever. And so even if you have no, don't want to do anything to do with intuitionology or want to be dance on TikTok or whatever, <laughs> uh, which I'm not going to do because I'm sure there's a negative signal saying, yeah, don't watch that guy. Um, I may intuition saying good call. <laughs> yeah. You, you now have a template on how to take any decision, uh, personal or professional. I had someone go through there through that and hired a marketing assistant when he desperately needed one and he was holding back and, and he finally found one. And boy, I mean, this guy says like the time that's been saved from doing that. Um, I, I really needed that person. And that person wasted eight months of his life, eight months. And so again, we go back to opportunity costs. Actually, that was 16 months, my friend. And can so, you imagine the productivity that it would have gained? Your information is going to be in the notes, but just if some of the folks that don't read the notes, I will say, where, where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on uh, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, again, I've started going on TikTok with a couple of things here. Uh, my, my, yesterday, my daughter said, you got to do a bit of dancing. Uh, and I'm saying, well, let's see how that goes. But uh, let's, again, let's ease into that. <laughs> well, ease into the, yeah, exactly. I want people to actually enjoy my content, not, uh, not end up, but well, that, maybe that's viral. Like, look at this, this bozo, what's he doing? Uh, intuition should have told him not to do that, but. Uh, uh, it's TikTok. I think anything kind of goes. It yeah, might, it, it might, she might be right. I mean, Absolutely. So, so far she's doing pretty well. So. Uh, uh, yeah. She's doing pretty good. Yeah. And if you go to sunilgatsi.com, we're just actually doing, we're in the middle of a, a rebrand. We're doing, looking at intuitive branding. So it's really about that trust, uh, establishing that trust from a business perspective. And when the re pieces of research was showing that trust is established and actually in exactly, well, on average, 14 seconds. So when you trust a brand, when you trust, when an employee trusts an, a company to work for, when a customer trusts you or wants to move to you, uh, you have got your marketing messages, whatever it is, or a vendor wants to work for you, that trust needs to be developed within 14 seconds. And way too many businesses are doing the old way of doing things and they're losing customers. 80% of employees are unhappy. Uh, the, it, the amount of, of churn from employee turnover and lost productivity costs com companies over a billion dollars a year mm. because they're doing things the yeah. old way. And it really comes down to this subconscious phenomenon called intuition, because the first thing that hits is, do I trust this brand? Do I trust that company? Do I trust that manager to look out for my best interest? Do I trust my coworker? Do I trust my best friend? Do I, it's all down to 14 seconds and it's continually on. And so you really have to find what that purpose is 
very much like what my daughter Abni is doing with her purpose, right? What is, what does this company stand for? And what does it feel like? Your core values should be feel-based. And I've got a friend of mine, Darius Mitsurjahai, uh, doing that. He's moving billion-dollar companies away from what they have on the wall. And he says, okay, I'll give you a month and a half. He scraps them. And he says, okay, let's go with feel-based uh, uh, core values now. Let me take over the reins. And they just hand it over to him because he's advising nine-figure nine companies all the time based on exactly this. And I've, I've interviewed Darius. We talk about this in a, an upcoming podcast interview about how intuition is intertwined with core values and how it's so important. 14 seconds, folks. Yes, and I've listened to some of those podcast episodes. Can you name the podcast? Because we were talking actually before I started recording about um, the example you gave with Stacy and some other ones. So they're very in super interesting. Yeah. So so with Stacy's, uh, so Ashley was the one that put me on Stacy, and Stacy, uh, uh, she was on the Dr. Phil show, and so what happened is her her uh, boyfriend had come in and. Uh, her intuition was saying as soon as he came into the driveway, her intuition is saying something's up. Uh, but instead of listening to that signal, she opens the door, he ends up trying to take the stepson. And as her daughter is going upstairs, her daughter phones 911. And you can hear her on the operator uh, saying 911, what's your emergency? Oh, my, my, uh, boy, my mom's boyfriend is trying to uh, take uh, her stepson. Then you hear bang, bang. Oh, my God. And she starts crying. Oh, she, she, she shot her. She shot her. She shot her. And so I brought both Stacy and her daughter on the podcast interview to get what happened because on the Dr. Phil, we don't know what actually what happened. So Stacy actually recounts exactly what she's looking at and the behavior that she saw with her boyfriend. And then Stacy is Stacy's daughter. Uh, uh, she's recalling what she's thinking mm. right after she's making the 911 call. And so from an intuitive, and then I also find out about how intuition uh, helps with them, but then there's others. I've got like Bin Jang's on there. One that one um, here's a here's a really good example about walking the talk. Uh, one of my uh, my colleagues is a, a guy by the name of Hal Eisenberg, and Hal was in the mindset space, and of course I'm being in the intuition space, so so our our worlds naturally collided very nicely. Uh, and so what he was when he was saying, yeah, listen to my intuition, I trust my gut. Uh, I said, oh, interesting, very very nice, and so. I got a chance to speak in Toronto and he heard me that I was speaking. So he flew up from New York to come, to come hear me speak. And he didn't realize, he said, Oh my God, I didn't realize that there was these signals and there were four types. He just didn't realize it. Mm -hmm. And so a, a year later, a year passes by and he gets, he develops a cough and he gets an intuitive signal says, go to the hospital. And he ignores it. Ah, come on. It's just maybe a cough. Ah, I can get rid of it. I'll just take some, yeah, I don't know, Robitussin or whatever it is. Uh, and the, the cough develops uh, further. And he's still, an intuitive signal is getting louder. And he ignores them until he has to be transported to a New York hospital. He ended up getting the COVID-19 virus. Mm. And he was fighting. He said, it came to a life or death moment. And he says, the true, what intuition meant for me, how I knew intuition, what intuition was, he had a life or death moment and he actually wanted to die. That's how bad he was fighting for his breath. And he says, intuition came and it spoke to me and it said, your work is not done. He was doing some beautiful work in the New York school system with the, with the kids there, uh, introducing mindset, mindfulness with, uh, into that system. Your work is not done. Your voice still needs to be heard. You need to listen to intuition. You need to get out of this. It's not your time. And in that instant, he says, I'm going to live. Uh, he comes out and five days later, I'm 
the very first one he talks at length about with this, he's my very first podcast guest that kicked off my podcast interview. And if there's anything on it, if, I mean, there's a great way to, because that's the true essence of intuition. And what he said is that Sunil, you know what? I, I didn't walk the talk. I talked about listening to my intuition and my gut and living a good mindset, but I tell my team to do something and I do some, com something completely different. I would say something and I would do something completely different. He had those intuitive signals. He didn't listen to that. So when we, when we operate on social media themes or memes, because it's sexy to say, I trust my gut. I live, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm always, um, and I have my proper mindset. I live in the present moment. Live in the then, moment. That's whatever. Then, yeah. That's then, everyone's then, favorite. Yeah. Then live in the moment, right? Live in the moment, like do it. And, and he realized that he just wasn't walking the talk. And this is not by any means a lecture to other people on what you should do. This is about living it. Right. And so it's great to put the social media themes out there, but then live it. Right. And, and really understand what living in the present moment means, because when you do do that, then every single decision is the right one. And so when you have the seven day challenge, take action, like, like take action and don't worry about what other people think. This is your path. You live life on your own terms, guided by your own signals that are telling you that this is the path to success and make sure that's truly intrinsic success. Don't look at the big house and the big car and big gold chains from people rapping and all that stuff or whatever it is, whatever, whatever you think success needs to be, that will come. And this one thing that I always put out, uh, that I write is when you take care of the inputs guided by intuition, the outputs take care of themselves. And, and, and I'll leave you with this last, last one of a really good example of that. Sarah Prout was someone who was in a 10-year marriage, 40 instances of abuse, uh, and just, again, self-talk, back in. He, it's, things are going to get better. He's going to change, et cetera. And there was a December 31st night, and they were starting, and the argument started about just a simple movie. What are they going to watch? And she knew where it was headed. She went out to, she says, uh, I got to go take a you know, walk out. She walks out, looks to the stars, and there was a clear intuitive signal at that, which was already there. But this one said, now, you got to go now. And she was, that fear gripped her. Mm. How can I? Of course. How can I? And she said, no, I'm going to listen to my intuition. And so she takes the step, leaves. She's $30,000 in debt. Uh, she has nowhere to live. She has, ends up uh, on welfare. She has two kids to feed. She's actually going... Uh, picking up furniture on the side of the roads, going into public washrooms to steal the soap so that she can put it together so her kids can actually have a shower. And she trusts that one step every single day is going to lead to something better. It's going to lead to something better. Uh, a year later, she meets the, uh, uh, her, her love of her life on Twitter. They online date for a year. They get together. They find out they're truly meant for each other. They get married. And six and a half years later, she opens up a business on manifestation and teaching manifestation. And in my interview with her, we talk about sort of junk food manifestation about how people, uh, again, are, are writing about it, but don't know about what true manifestation is very much like intuition. And she is now from walking out that door to six and a half years later, she's a multimillionaire. And it's not about the money for her. Good. It's not about the money. It's about the steps that you take, and you battle those fears and you just trust that things are going to work out because you're trusting your intuition and the outputs take care of themselves. And if it just means being happy every single day, fantastic. Because 
why do you want to regret things 30, 40, 50 years later when you're, when you're retired? Let's not worry. Let's worry about the regrets we have today. Today. Mm-hmm. Right. Like we can, we can, what about the regrets of today? The decisions you didn't take that you knew were the right ones. Right. And again, it's double the cost. Why do you want to do that? Well, Sunil, I honestly, and I, of course, I think it's obvious people love learning things, but this has been such a powerful learning experience. Thank it you. really has for myself personally, I will say, and I know for our listeners, and I think even folks that tuned in or are tuned in now thinking like, this isn't what I expected. That's the even better part. Uh, and I think you did a really good job of describing and then actual being able to apply it uh, and actually giving us more than the Facebook memes of like, everyone should live in the moment. And you're like, how do I live in the moment? Uh, which yeah. I think also you can get to with your seven day challenge, femalegodsey.com. I will put all of this in the podcast notes, but I can't thank you enough. And I hope this isn't the last time that you'll be on. We're going to have to come, come again, again, for sure. I'd love to come again, for sure. Uh, and also his daughter's uh, website will be on there too. So please make sure and support. Uh, but thank you everyone for listening and we will be publishing this one in March. Uh, and then please stay tuned for the next. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of HR Liftoff. At Integrity, we believe opportunity is everything. We take an associate first approach because when our associates succeed, our clients succeed. Whatever you need, we're ready to support. We partner with clients large and small to deliver custom staffing solutions that provide the cost, service, and scalability efficiencies you need to stay competitive. Learn more at integritystaffing.com.